you guys doing tonight? I have a weapon with me. <laughs> now it actually is the original staff of Moses from Egypt. I imported it through an import-export online shop and brought it here because once upon a time, Moses and Jesus, they were playing in heaven on a golf court and they had a competition. And the competition was who, either Moses or Jesus, has the most amazing and accurate and close to the, maybe a hole-in-one golf shot, Moses or Jesus. So Moses was first and he took his staff and there was the golf ball and he BAM! Hammered that thing. It was a par five course. 100, 250 yards already, almost on the putting green. That ball flew so far, but all of a sudden, unfortunately, it landed right in front of the putting green into the water. Into the water, but then came Moses' divine appointment. He took his stick, he roses his staff against the water. The water split into two halves and all of a sudden the ball was rolling outside of this split water onto the putting green and right it landed right 30 centimeters in front of the hole. Jesus was very impressed. He said, wow, good shot, Moses. Let's see what I can do. So he took his cross, you know, his heavy cross, and with the supernatural power of Jesus, he took his cross and screamed, it is finished, bam! And the golf ball flew, 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 almost as far as Moses, and then all of a sudden it went farther and further and further, but unfortunately he had the same bad luck as, G as Moses, and it landed right almost into the water because in that moment Jesus took his hand and guess what happened obviously the board didn't sink down but it dropped on the water bam 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 on the putting green and landed, landed right three centimeters in front of the hole Moses was very impressed Jesus was celebrating and all of a sudden the the heavens turned dark, lightning and thunder came, and all of a sudden, a golf ball dropped right out of the heaven, right into the water. In that moment, all of a sudden, a fish came, and he swallowed, a fish swallowed the ball, and then from heaven, an eagle came and caught the fish, and got out of the water, flew on the putting green, and, and let the fish fall down. The eagle disappeared in heaven, and the fish opened up his mouth. And guess what happens? The ball rolled out a hole in one. Bam! Moses was looking to Jesus and said, I hate it when your father plays golf. <laughs> I brought to you the story of Moses and his staff. It almost happened like that. We will dive into the story, what actually really happened. But let's pray first that this story about Moses and his staff talks to mine, your heart. Jesus, I thank you that you are here. Jesus, I thank you that you want to talk to me, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are the God of this universe, and you are the God of my heart. I want to invite you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to me through the story of Moses and his staff, and you reveal to me what is actually in my hand and what I can use for the glory of you, Jesus. Amen. So to give you a little bit of a background of the story of Moses and his staff is, uh, as many of you know, but maybe not everybody, Moses was living into the time in the times where the people of Israel were in captivity and oppressed by the Egyptians in Egypt. 
And he was born uh, of the Israelite tribe to a time where all the babies, Pharaoh um, was saying, need to be killed because the, uh, the Israelites were turning more and more people and Pharaoh was afraid, so he let every baby kill, be killed. To Moses' luck, he was, um, by his mother, he was put in a basket on the Nile River and he was actually adopted right into the uh, family of Pharaoh, the most powerful man during that time. He was raised up there, but during the time he saw with his own eyes that his people, the Israelites, were really oppressed. So in a moment of seeing that where an Israelite guy and an Egyptian soldier had an argument, he stepped into the situation and he killed, probably without that staff because that came later into the story, he killed um, the Egyptian. Because of that reason, he had to flee into the desert. And in the desert, he had his divine moment. He had a calling directly from God. And what God told him, we're going to see right now in an amazing clip. Moses. of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. You are real. I am. I have seen the misery of my people. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring them out of Egypt. How can I set them free? I will be with you. What a weird situation. That bush was burning, God spoke to Moses, that was Moses calling, and he told him, God told Moses, I will be with you. But then, as most of us are, me too, we, Moses got into a little bit of an argument and a little bit of a discussion with God. And he said, we read that in Exodus 4, verse 9, and Moses answered, God, what if... They do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you. What if? What if God? What if they don't listen to me? These actually were justified worries Moses had because during the last four centuries, God was, or he at least appeared like nowhere. He didn't intervene the whole oppression of the uh, Israelites, there was nothing going on and Moses obviously and just for justified reason he had these worries, what if they don't listen to me? I'm going to talk about a God, um, yeah, the former generations had but actually we don't experience him right now. What if they don't listen to me? What if, what, what do they, if they say, hey, Moses, I mean, God, he is a long time ago, he disappeared, he's not there anymore. 
Why should something happen right now? God, Moses basically had this what-if attitude. The what-if attitude actually is a me-focused attitude. I don't know if you know that. I know these, I know these um, situations. The what-if attitude is basically defined by future worries. What if that doesn't happen or what if this does happen? Do you know these stories? You know, we know in our brains that 90% of our worries don't come to reality. It doesn't happen. But still, we worry about all kinds of stuff. We have sceneries in our mind where we think, okay, uh, worst case scenarios, you know what I'm talking? Oh, this will probably happen and then this and then that and then that and then we are afraid of that and then we realize, wow, at the end of the story, it, 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 it didn't happen anyway, after all. So actually, all these worries, or most of the worries, like 90% statistics say, are useless, are misused, or just wasted energy. God has this what-if attitude. Thomas Akempis, a Dutch Augustinian monk, he said, don't think so much about who is for or against you. Rather, spend all of your worrying on the thought that God is with you, wherever you are. The what-if attitude is me, folks, and it's also defined by self-doubting. Moses said, but God, you know, you have this huge task. I should go to Pharaoh and speak for my whole people let my people go, you know that gospel song. But I think this task, this calling you have on me is way too much. It's way too big for me. He has self-doubts. And I don't know if you know, if you know these self-doubts. I know that stuff. I, this work, being part of staff here of ICF, it fits to my profile. I like it. It fits to my talents. And um, it's great. I love it. But there's constantly situations where I feel overwhelmed, where I think, oh my goodness, does my energy, does my talent, does my capabilities, does my visions, does my stuff, is that enough? I mean, leading a college and training pastors to be movement makers and church planters with me not actually being a senior pastor and having planted a church, isn't that a little bit too much? Being an online pastor and trying to lead virtual teams that are all over the place with a little bit of time. Isn't that a little bit too crazy and a little bit too much? Does it work? Being the pastor of this international congregation, a congregation that has been here for lots of years, and there's so much potential in Zurich City for growing and growing and make this hall packed. But somehow never in the last years, we didn't, we didn't grow over 150 or 200 people. Isn't that a little bit too overwhelming? Are you the right person for that? I know these thoughts Moses has, these self-doubting thoughts. I don't know about you. But when I have these thoughts, I remind myself at a very divine appointment, at a very deep God moment I had a couple of years ago, when I had these thoughts, when I was new here in uh, Isaac Zurich on staff, a year into my, uh, my position being the college leader, and I had these, these, uh, these, these number two issues. I thought, am I really good enough? Is there not someone else who is better? Who can make a better job? Who can actually, God, use more? And I had these thoughts, and then I went into a counseling session. Actually, for a different reason, because I had these blisters here in my, uh, in my mouth. So I had this uh, counseling session about 
these number two thoughts. Actually, the reason why I went to counselor was to hear, is there a reason why I have these blisters here in my mouth? And, um, and I felt inferior. And then God spoke to me. He really spoke to me during that session. And that's the cool thing about God. And that's the cool thing about Moses and his story. He has his doubts. He has his worries. He has this what-if mentality. But God takes it serious. He starts to talk with Moses about that as he was talking to me. That's the cool thing about God. God takes your and my worries serious. He listens to me. And he responds to the what-if question of Moses. We can continue to read that. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? Oh, there's something in my hand. A staff, Moses replied. I like that. I was reading that story and that brought me to, the, to uh, writing this message. During summer when I was studying Exodus and I was reading my Bible in the morning and I was reading that and I was saying, that is a cool wordplay, wordplay God does. Moses says, what if? God says, what is? And that makes all the difference, ladies and gentlemen. That is mind-blowing what God does here because the what-if attitude is my future worries, my self-doubting, my future creating some sort of realities in my mind that could happen, but God brings me back to reality and he says, what is? What is the situation right now? What is in your hand? What do you mean, God? You see what I have in my hand? I mean, I have this staff in my hand ever since I had to flee into the de desert and find a new job being a shepherd. The Lord said, we continue to read, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, bam, and it became a snake. Woo! It became a snake, ladies and gentlemen. What is going on? God is speaking through a burning bush, throw that stick, and then there is a snake. This is a weird, I mean, can you imagine this really happening? It's really weird. So then God says, reach out your hand and this snake and take it by the tail. And all of a sudden it became the staff again. <laughs> this is crazy. Moses did it. And it worked a little bit better than it worked for me here. <laughs> I try to make special effects for you that you are entertained and really dive into the story. But you have to imagine this happened in reality. Okay. So Moses did that. He reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. That is a total mind switch. From the what if attitude to the what is attitude. What is the what is attitude? It is definitely God focused. And in this story, we're going to wrap up now that the staff stands for something, the snake stands for something, and then something else happened which stands for something. The staff means Use your resources. Use whatever you have in your hand. Moses was a shepherd, as I just told you. He had to flee into the desert, find a new job, so he became a shepherd. He was a leader of sheep. Sheep are very like-minded than human beings. 
what if? Very like-minded. Moses knew how to take care of sheep. And God knew that Moses knew that and he had the capability. And his staff stands for his capabilities. He was a leader. God saw in him that he was a leader. The question is not if God didn't put anything into our hands. The question is, what do I do with it that is actually in my hands? God will never ask you to be someone else. God will never ask you to do something you cannot do. He will always help you. God will never ask you if you were as musically talented than Frank Sinatra. Because you have to do it your way anyway, as Frank Sinatra did it his way. God will never ask you to be as courageous as Lucky Luke. God will never ask you to be as smart as Einstein, but he will ask you, what do you do with your resources, with your time, with your talents and your money? What do you have in your hand? The cool thing is, if we realize that and we do the stuff I just miraculously did, then all of a sudden, to my natural, talents to what is in my hand which most of the time is very natural god will do his supernatural he will turn your staff into a snake so to say so let's talk a little bit about the snake the snake stands for something else this is my son's snake and he got me he said, I am allowed to have it on stage. It was a hard argument, a hard fight, but I gave him a little bit of a present this morning so I could actually took it here, take it here on stage. The snake means you are a conqueror. You are a conqueror. God lets Moses realize what he has, but not only that, he has the common shepherd's staff, but then it turned into a, a snake. And the cool thing what, do, what, what God does now, he does something mind-blowing. He says, take that snake by the tail. And that stands for so much stuff. It's mind-blowing for many reasons because snakes, first of all, were snakes in Egypt were very dangerous snakes. The, the snakes that um, were in Egypt were either vipers, very dangerous poison snakes, or cobras, also very dangerous. You knew this is dangerous. A snake was also a symbol of royalty and divine power. A snake actually, a symbol or a picture of the snake was on the crown of King Pharaoh. There was a snake to represent, I am the royal one, I have power. A snake during that time was standing for power. So what God is saying here to Moses now is, take that snake, take that royalty in by the tail, in other words, I will give Pharaoh into your hands. You will have power over Pharaoh. Even though Pharaoh is dangerous, even though Pharaoh is royal, even though Pharaoh seems to have divine power, take it by the tail. I will give Pharaoh into your hands. That is what God is saying to Moses and the people of Israel. Everybody knew, every child knew, you don't take a snake, especially a poisonous snake, by the tail. Because what the snake then does is turns around and it bites you, and then you may die or you have all kinds of severe problems. Everybody knew that, but God was saying, I will bring Pharaoh into your hands and you can, will take him by the tail. You are, Moses, the head and not the tail. 
What does that mean? That means all the future worries I have, all the stuff, all the self-doubting I have, all the obstacles, all the problems, all the danger zones in my have, all the worries, all the problems, everything that is somehow so big, so dangerous, so against me, God will put into my hand. I can look eye to eye or actually take the problem by the tail and I am a conqueror and God will put it into my hands. This is the God we believe in. The future worries, yes, they are there and God will realize that God will take care of it. God takes it for serious, but he wants me to have a mind switch and take that problem by the tail and face my biggest fears. God is on your side. Then the Lord said, we read again and further, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. I don't have that special effect right now here. But can you imagine there's a white leprous hand right now here. It became leprous, it became white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored. Another miracle like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Still remember Moses' fear, future worries, what if they don't believe me? God is speaking to Moses through that stuff he is now doing, through all the miraculous stuff. The hand stands for let God do it. Putting a hand into a cloak or putting a hand into a pocket basically is a passive thing. You are standing there, you are putting your hand, you, 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 you seem almost lazy, right? Putting it in your hand is, means you are passive. You stand still and you watch what God is about to do. So he puts it in there first and then it became sick, that hand. Leprosy was an incurable sickness back in the days. There was no way out of it. Leprosy meant you will be isolated from the rest. To be sick meant you are out of it. To be leprous, you are out of it. And then he put it back in there and then it went good again. And that means basically no matter what happens, no matter how your circumstances are, in sickness and in health, I will be, I will be with you. And whatever you have in your hand, I will use it. I will use every situation for the good. Let me, don't, trust me and let me do it. God wants to tell me and you tonight, let him do it. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know how your situations look like. Maybe you have a sickness. Maybe you have a worry. Maybe you have, maybe you feel in some area of your life that this is not healthy. Your finances, your health, your relationship with God, your relationship to other people. Maybe it feels sick and leprosy. Maybe everything is great right now, but no matter how you feel, and this is so, such a cool thing, God is there and you can let God do it. That is basically what it's all about in life. It doesn't mean that we are passive and don't do anything, but it means to be in a relationship with God, you have everything what you need, no matter how your circumstances are. You know what I'm saying? For me, it feels so good that I have a God who is under control, who has my life under control. I can let him do it. He has, he got my back. No matter how I feel, no matter how I are, no matter if I'm doing good 
or if I'm doing bad. No matter if I'm totally relaxed and everything is running smooth or if I'm totally stressed, God has it under control and I can let him do it. We continue to read verse 9, but Moses still has doubts, but, and God still um, talks to him. But if they don't believe these two thing, signs, the staff into the snake and the hand, sick and healthy again, if they don't listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And there's a symbolic meaning as well in that. As I was studying that story in, a, in a, um, a study Bible, it says the Nile waters stands basically for the, the, that God is stronger than everything. The Nile water actually in, back in the days back then was known uh, that it has divine power. The Egyptians believed actually that the God of Osiris, the veg, uh, not the vegetarian, but the God of the vegetation, he was, um, he was Basically, in the Nile, or, or the Nile water was the blessing for the country. So what God is doing here is something really cool. He is saying, I am stronger than all of the gods, maybe even the biggest gods of the people that oppress you. I am stronger than everything. God has the power. God speaks through that symbol and through that miracle to Moses and he says, I have the power to turn the Nile water into blood. That means I am stronger than every God of the Egyptians. I am stronger and that is our faith. That is what it's all about. At the end of the day, I know and if you have a relationship to Jesus, you know there is no other name than the name of Jesus. God is stronger than everything. No matter how, what is standing against you, no matter what is oppressing you, God is stronger than everything. What does that mean? It means that God takes my worry serious and he wants to talk to me. So while I was praying in that counseling session, all of a sudden I had a vision. I had my eyes closed and I saw in front of my eyes like one of those Lord of the Rings sceneries and... I was seeing me on a big platform training people and an army right down there uh, ready to go into war. And, then the, and that stand was standing for me that I, am, I have everything what I need to train people, to train leaders, to be an army of the loving God and to build his kingdom. But then the scenery was continuing. I, I looked back and while I was looking back from, the, from this training platform on, and when I was turning my head away from all the, all the armies standing there, I was looking back and I saw this huge palace. And I was walking into that palace and on the throne of that palace was a lion. And that lion was Jesus. And he wanted to spend time with me. And he said... Don't do all of the stuff, you know. Don't, don't, don't stress yourself on the training platform and on the war zone without coming every once in a while and all the time on a regular basis back into my palace, sitting next to me. I'm still on the throne. I want to have time with you. And I realized then, this is the reason for my blisters. I don't know if I'd mentioned that story before. Ever since then, I never had one of those blisters again. God healed me, but he restored something else. He spoke to me that I have everything in my hands that is necessary to do his work through me. 
I want to ask you tonight, what is in your hand? What do you have? After the celebration, when you turn out, there will be the ushers giving you this sticker. Uh, my staff, your staff. And I want to have a moment right now where you think about your life. What is in your hand? What did God put in your hand? What is your staff? And I want you to think about that when you turn into the next week, into this coming week. And I want you to use and, and take the sticker and stick it on something that is your staff. Maybe you're a student. Then stick it on your laptop that stands for your studies or whatever. Maybe you are um, a stay-at-home mom. Then stick it on your fridge. And that stands for you have everything what you have in your hand to provide for your family and to, um, to lead this chaos with the children and whatever is there. This is your staff. You have everything. Maybe you are a businessman. Then stick it on the back of your smartphone. That stands for all the connections you have and the power God puts in your hand. Or maybe on your wallet because you have financial power and can make an impact for God and his kingdom. Maybe you are a car dealer. Then stick it on your car or an interior of your car and, and, and realize what is your talent what is your staff maybe you are a good-looking man or woman maybe you are a model and stick it on the mirror <laughs> and use your beauty for the kingdom of God maybe you are unemployed then stick it on your watch because you have a whole lot of time to invest for the kingdom of God right now during that season maybe you are a musician then stick it on your instrument whatever is your staff <laughs> you don't like that well, <laughs> Whatever is in your hand, realize it and use it. It can make all the difference. A basketball in my hand is worth 29 francs 90. A basketball in the hands of Kobe Bryant is worth 30 million dollars. A golf club in my hand is a dangerous weapon. A golf club in the hands of Tiger Woods makes him a world champion. What is in your hand? It makes all the difference. Who has the thing in the hand? Two bread, five bread and two fishes in my hand can feed seven people. Two fish burgers and five vegetarians will get. Five bread and two fishes in the hands of Jesus feeds 5,000 people and 12 baskets are left over. It makes all the difference who has it in his hands. A little bit of a spit and a little bit of a dirt will make a mess in my hands. A little bit of a spit and a little bit of a dirt in the hands of Jesus heals a blind man. It makes all the difference who has it in his hand. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? A slingshot in my hand is a silly toy. A slingshot in the hand of David defeats Goliath and battles and wants and wins the victory of a huge war. It makes all the difference who has the slingshot in his hands. Some nails into my hands make me a horrible homemaker and bring me to hospital. Some nails into the hands of Jesus makes him the savior of the world. Do you believe that the God who raises Jesus from the dead also can use your life? If you believe it, then stand on your feet and worship me for a second that He is capable. He has stuff. He puts stuff into your hands and He wants to use us for His kingdom.
There's no other than Jesus. There's no other than Jesus. Worship Him for a moment. Worship Him. He puts stuff into your hands. That simple piece of wood, the staff from Moses, became a symbol of the freedom of the people of Israel because he actually raised that staff, not on a golf court, not in heaven with Jesus, but while he was still living on earth. And he separated the Red Sea and the people of Israel, the oppressed slaves of, of, of the Egyptians went on dry ground into their freedom. A simple piece of wood became a symbol of victory. And a simple piece of wood, the cross, became a symbol of our victory. I want to pray with us. Whatever is in your hand, take it and use it. Use it for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads and have a moment of prayer. God, I thank you that you gave me talents, you gave me gifts, you gave me resources for one reason, because you want to use me. You want, to, you want to use me, become a thriving force of your revolution, love. You want me to build your kingdom. I'm not here by accident. I'm here because you have something for me. You have a plan for my life. And I want to tell you tonight that I want to use whatever you gave into my hands. Help me to realize what you gave into my hands and give me the courage and the freedom to use it for your glory, Jesus. I want to be known as a person that took and used the resources for you, Jesus.